0: Hey everybody! What's up? Today's show is a special one. You may recall from previous episodes that I have begun uh, changing things up a little bit and running some experiments with co-hosts. And today is a co-hosted episode. Yours truly and my dear long-time friend Christopher Gerard. Now, Chris is a VP at the Outside Creator Studio. Um, his company was acquired by Outside Interactive. Uh, And we go into a little bit of detail there, but what you need to know about Chris is uh, first that we've been friends for a long time. And I feel like we get to go places as friends, uh, in ways that we might not otherwise in regular podcasts or just, uh, someone I've just met for the first time. And that is one of the things that you all in the community have been asking for specifically like, what am I thinking and talking about behind closed doors with other folks, my peers and so that is one of the reasons I wanted to have Chris on because we talk regularly um in addition to knowing him for a long time he at one point was my business manager and worked closely out of my studio in Seattle and we've traveled the world hundreds of thousands of miles together and um we have different brains but we like to think and talk about a lot of the same stuff so uh, in this particular episode today, we go into three areas of focus. Um, and this is a very natural conversation. We had set up a couple of frameworks, things to talk about, and we got through three of them. We're gonna be doing some more episodes because again, I love chatting with Chris. He's super smart and very insightful. But in this particular show, we talk about three. One is where is this all going? this the future of work? What did the pandemic leave us as entrepreneurs, as creators, as people who are social animals? Um, and I feel like that conversation was big early on in the pandemic, or, and then it just sort of got tired. but now we're actually seeing culture be shaped downstream from those things. So how is that going to affect you, your work life, your professional life, and your personal life? what what's the shape of that uh, sort of amorphous blob right now? Now, the second topic we go into is is artificial intelligence. Um, y'all have been asking me to comment on this publicly for a long time and i have been a little bit resistant mostly because i don't um i don't want to come off as someone who knows everything i'm not a scientist of ai and yet as you might imagine i am using it a fair bit i am tinkering with it i'm learning a lot uh i'm i'm digging in right now because i do feel like it is a huge piece of the future of creativity now that may sound at odds with what you know about artificial intelligence but I think this conversation that Chris and I have today uh, will certainly highlight some of my views. I don't intend to uh, seem like I know too much, so take that with a grain of salt, but I find our conversation valuable, especially for our, our, our audience, you all out there in the world. And then the last piece we get into is maybe controversial, and it is the current state of social media. And the punchline here is... Despite me knowing people that do social media just for a living and a life, either as a social media person or as a uh as a, a public figure who uses social media to get their ideas out there in the world. And most people I know don't like it. Where does that leave us? Clearly, there's some benefits to social media, but have we jumped the shark or are we on the other the downside of the bell curve? It's a fascinating conversation that uh, we explore and I hope you will find a lot of value. These three topics, of course, there's all sorts of other stuff including plenty of uh, banter, but my goal with this co-hosted episode was to let you in behind the scenes a little bit more than we have in the past. Uh, This is just me and a longtime friend talking about things that we care about. Um, So I can't wait. I'll get out of the way, let you enjoy this episode, yours truly, uh, in conversation with my dear friend, Chris Girard. All right. Uh, now, uh, approaching the microphone, my dear friend, Christopher Gerard. Nice to see you, buddy. Great to see you, Chase, as always. Um, all right. For everybody out there in podcast land, uh, my dear friend, Christopher Gerrard uh, and I have been friends for, I don't know, CJ, how many? 20 years? Something like that? 20 plus? Yeah, I always get confused. I, li- I like to say
1: 20 because it sounds good. And then I realize it's actually more like 25. <laughs> and we're just getting older. <laughs>
0: It's a little bit of a trip. Um, But today's episode, I I like to consider, um, if you remember, I don't know, a dozen episodes or so ago, I said I'm going to be running some small experiments on the podcast here. And this is one of those experiments where I have some dear friends on the show, essentially as co-hosts, to talk about the things that we talk about behind the scenes. I did an Insta post not too long ago, surveying, uh, you all for some uh, input on what you wanted to hear in the podcast. And that was one of the things Like, what do you talk about when no one's around? Uh, was one of the prompts that I thought that I was inspired by rather. And so um, there's a couple of those underway. One uh, we this is the second podcast I've done with a, a co-host. And then uh, CJ's came up and we hung out at our beach place for a long weekend uh, about, I don't know, three weeks ago. And we resolved to record a handful of these podcasts and let you in on what it is we talk about. So what I mean, you were there. What What am I missing, CJ? No, that's all accurate. Uh, I, it was great
1: to, to, uh, you know, you and I have been friends for so long, but the last few years of for many people have been sort of a disconnected time and to get back together with you and just chop it up a little bit uh, up it the cabin where so much creativity over the years has come from in your life. And I've been lucky enough to be a part of that, you know, jump in the, in the sound and get a little cold plunge in and, you know, stimulate, uh, conversation, man. I mean, I was really grateful for having that with you in my life and, um, yeah, excited to, to expound on some of the subjects that we, there's a half.
0: Yeah. I got a half a dozen things I want to talk about. I don't know if we'll get through all of them today, but I know we're going to record a couple of these. Uh, and you know, I put these through the filter of what would be valuable for the people who are there are in our community, the watchers and listeners, uh, maybe just a 60 second orientation, um, professionally. So a little history I'll give, and then you can say where you're at right now professionally. Uh, history is that, uh, Gerard, Christopher Gerard here ran, uh, a publishing group that did free skier and snowboard magazines, which is how we originally acquainted. Uh, back when I was an action sports photographer, specifically, we remained close friends. Uh, at some point, I sort of pulled back the kimono and was showing him what what I was doing with building community around creativity. And um, the short version, as I tell it, is uh, is Christopher just said, "Okay, that's interesting." We came to an agreement and. He moved to Seattle and started managing the business affairs of uh, myself and the media portion of what it is that we were building. Um, and you went on to have, you know, we, we had spent several years together and then you went on to found the agency, which is Inkwell, and now you're at Outside. So orient people around your current job as an executive at Outside.
1: Yeah. That's and a, correct that's me. A and, good... and
0: of course, correct me if I, if I, if you tell a different story about how, No,
1: that. same story. I mean, the only part of that, that I, I would add to is just that, um, you know, after you and I met like in 1998, so that is like 25 years actually, uh, <laughs> w- when we started free skier and, you know, it was an interesting time in action sports and all that. And I did that for like 10 to 12 years. And, then you invited me as you do to, to Seattle to one of your epic parties. And uh, during that time, you also showed me this. This is like 2008, 2009. You showed me some of the metrics behind what you were doing with like this wacky thing, Twitter. and. Uh, a blog and and as a publisher that was this i always tell it as a light bulb moment for me in terms of a shift in media where it was shifting from the gatekeepers to the creators now that's a well-known thing like creator and influencer marketing all that stuff but that was the moment and it was because of you that i had really just understood that wow like media is just about to completely turn on its head going an entirely and i went in an entirely different direction working with individuals like yourself who have audiences and have been vetted by the internet based on education or so on and so forth so that was like just it's a pivotal moment then we worked and traveled all over the world for three years together and did some really cool stuff and i started the agency you mentioned and then i started another venture-backed company called rome both of those were acquired about 18 months ago by Outside Interactive. And now I am the vice president of the Outside Creator Studio, which is the content marketing group that oversees all social, like 120 channels, all of their creator network and all of their physical events.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which is a lie, you stepped into a big job. So, uh, but at its core, we basically are a couple of dirtbags who managed our way to into a, a living and a life that we love and we've, you know, whether it was skiing or photography or media or um, community or uh, anything that we're doing now, we've all got our hands in a number of pockets and pies and experiments. Um, I think the important thing is our our backstory, uh, which hopefully will provide a little bit of insight and some, um, I mean, we're recording this, but we're not really recording it. That's how we want to think about it.
1: Oh, oh, we're recording. (laughs) (laughs)
0: um you're in south i think one of the ways places i want to start with would you said like hey man i'm like you are in the midst of like reconnecting with so many people because we're in a post pandemic world and that is actually shaping up it's evolving and you're at south by southwest right now um so one like what's going on at south by and what does it feel like to you know be physically connecting uh in a you know professional sort of community sense different than just going out to dinner with your friends now that you're sort of we're we're largely in a post-pandemic world what's professionally what's it like to be at a freaking conference with you know 50,000 people
1: well it I get really energized by these things you know I like I'm a social animal in that way and I get really Lifted up by conversations with new people, reconnection. I really came down. The the real impetus for me coming down was to see our mutual friend Jimmy Chin's new movie um, called Wildlife, which is about Chris Tompkins and Doug Tompkins and the uh, effectively like the founding of the outdoor industry as we know it—Patagonia, North Face—and the unbelievable, profound impact that this fierce woman has had in in setting aside the largest swath of protected land on the planet, like 23 million acres, right? Um, And they- That's down in South America, right? Yeah, Patagonia, yeah, Um, and in Chile. And they, uh, Chai and and Jimmy are, are, your friends and they've made this incredible movie and so I really came down to see that see the premiere and to sit with my friend who I have not had the chance to reconnect with just as you and I did recently and I've just that's been a theme of mine um I feel like there's in a remote culture in a distributed work culture um it's just something I don't know if it's for everybody but for me reconnecting with other human beings like in person is uh, something I'm really uh, trying to do. So it feels awesome to be at South by and, uh, you know, to talk to people about their innovations and what they're doing with their businesses um, and to see some old friends and hear what they're doing and see their work.
0: Well, I'll comment on that in the fact that I'm sitting right now in, uh, in my longtime photo studio, which for a long time was a creative live office for the previous years. And um, prior to that, or I guess prior to the pandemic, um, wasn't quite sure. Or sorry, during the pandemic, wasn't quite sure what to make of that. Creative Live was obviously acquired. I spent some time with Fiverr, the acquiring company, and now I've reclaimed this physical space. And I'm here recording podcasts. And there's so much activity down here. We've we've essentially converted this to a work share with a handful of friends who are doing really interesting things. And it's in that same spirit about getting together physically and, you know, again, going back to the opening premise of our conversation, like, why are we, why are we doing this? And it's because I've had a lot of requests for what do you talk about when no one's around? And it, it really is. This is an example of cool, what, what is the future of work? Is the future of work this remote? And, you know, I, as someone who's often been zigging when everyone else is zagging and, you know, is remote here to stay? Absolutely, is remote here to say. But if you read the thesis that I wrote about my this little, uh, I'm calling it clubhouse, where I'm operating out of here. This podcast, you know, we've got a golf simulator, gym, conference rooms, you know, those little phone booths you can have conversations in, uh, all kinds of seating areas, great coffee, everything you you'd think of in a shared workspace. But it's because there's uh, my for myself and a handful of committed, creative, interesting people there is real value in getting together. I don't want to have to do it all the time. I want to be able to work remote whenever I want to be able to work remote. But here I am, you know, I, I got really sick of recording the show in my front room or in my, you know, in my extra bedroom or, you know, up at the beach, and it, like, because it dominated the space and, you know, my Kate, Kate can't just sort of roam the house freely. And so this idea that we're going back to work We're never going to go back. It's never going to be the same thing that it was before. But I think there's value in getting together physically. Oh, I I mean,
1: I completely agree. I mean, creating space for people to get together for creative collaboration and social connection. I mean, you're – I. I mean, this has been written about like, I'm just regurgitating, but you know, Harvard Business Review has done some interesting stuff on it. Like, yes, we're never going back. If you, you, we know we can do business in our boxers from our front room, right? Like, Like you don't have to be anywhere. You don't have to go to a trade show to write orders. You don't like we've proven that the economy can work in a remote way, but I think what we're missing. And when I think about all most of the things that I've, I've been involved with professionally that have been super rewarding like the time you and i spent together in your studio like starting free or like starting inkwell like they all happened around a a space where people got together and spent inordinate amounts of time even we spent a lot of time in that studio and i i learned a lot from the way that you operated that studio in a in a physical sense like when people would come in you know it was like we'd be like champagne in the afternoon and coffee and, you know, snacks and like entertaining and really making people feel welcome. And that was a big part of how we did business, I think. And I think that that stuff to me, it matters to other people. It doesn't, I mean, frankly, like you said, like no one wants to be made to go into an office, I guess, but what is the office? Like I was talking to a friend about that with their space, like, it's sort of the, the traditional office is sort of over. It's like, you should really just have a social space that people want to go to, to spend time in whether that's like foosball and ping pong tables, if that's your thing, or like, you've got the golf stuff going, you know, a recording studio, like why do people, it's more like that concept of the third space, which is so ironic because it used to be like work home third space. Now it's like the second space. Cause there's no works, but you know, it's not like an office you have to go to. It's, it's like you have, we've only had home for we did for a while. Like we had one space. So now it's like, where's the second space you want to go to that you want to go to for, yeah, like for that creative collaboration, that whiteboard session. I really, again, I'm older in the sense of like uh, how we came up through stuff where I don't, I have to have that in my life actually. Like I have to, to me, it's much more efficient to sit in a room with a group of people and crank through building, especially when you're building and be eyeball to eyeball. Yeah. And like with your whiteboard and you know, that creative collaboration plus the social connection you get in person, I think actually is a huge accelerator. Like you get stuff done much faster. It's less transactional
0: and you get different stuff done. Like I think you know, that's I started to interrupt you there, but that's to no, me the, no. the, the the hook is like there are a whole host of things that function in a you know fantastic way remotely, and there are also like the the ability to add ideas uh, to the whiteboard, as an example. Are there digital collaboration tools? Yeah, cool. But this the 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 actual energy, it is not a mystery that we are social animals and that there is a sort of a vibrancy and a vibration that energy happens and f- you can feel when you're in the same room as someone that's like science that's not that's not that's like-
1: science <laughs> I, I mean i think it is I, I don't know what the science is but i agree like there's something non uh, it's yeah.
0: bell's theorem that non-local interaction like i can actually even affect you right now this is like if a butterfly flaps its wings, then then you don't have to be in the same room. But the fact that you are in the same room makes that energy even more, more significant
1: Ampl- amplifies it. No. Yeah. I mean, that I feel that. I mean, I again, being here and walking through the convention center, you and I came here a couple of times when we were working together, you know, a like couple of times. Yeah and it you know there was in the convention center actually there was a this group meditation that was happening It's very south by southwest there was a gong like sound meditation that was happening you know and I totally was like I'm just going to check this out and sat in the seat and it was it's funny you should say that the feeling of the the science like I did feel sitting there surrounded by other human beings um I felt that collective energy in in this sort of guided meditation thing, but you feel it, you know, people talking about what they're working on. And I mean, there's so many things that are moving so quickly, we're in this moment of AI, you know, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit like, I mean, mean the, the larger financial situation, like there's just so many things that are moving so rapidly that it's it's really cool to sit in the midst of people who are thinking about these things and just have a free-flowing conversation, uh, you know, that isn't so tactical. Like one of the things I realized working through this time period and doing, you know, Zoom call after Zoom call is it, everything becomes like this sort of tactical, like I have a next meeting, a next meeting, a next meeting with very little space between and very little sort of flow and freeform connection. And I am for one, I'm really like still missing that. So it's, I think it's, uh, it's, it's important. I think it's awesome what you're doing with the studio. Like I can't wait to come and work on my terrible golf swing.
0: (laughs) What I want to also like underscore though, is what are our friends who are other business leaders talking about, and it is this, this is, it is that the future of work is has a very significant like uh, remote component to it, and yet there's still a tremendous amount of value of getting together, and not just getting together generically on a day to day basis. You walk in Monday at nine, you leave Monday at five, and you do that Monday through Friday. Like it's that the convening becomes special and uh, amplified and more unique, and as you. You know, cited historically, that was part of the magic that we have created in this particular space here. It is about creating magic and that the chemistry, that unique chemistry when people are in the same room, that that is a huge component of it. And again, you and I are talking about it here somewhat generically or, or may, maybe particularly around our own experiences, but these are the conversations. A friend of mine, uh, Tab, who owns and runs Free Fly uh, Systems, Free Fly Cinema, they have done drones and like everything under the sun, robotics, they are legends. They were flying, you know, 15 years ago and I wanted a drone, it would come in on a flatbed truck. And the guy <laughs> who actually built the thing together would fly it like a, like a miniature helicopter. <laughs> That's tab and free flight, uh, free fly systems. So he's the same thing. Like he's all about like, Oh man, I'm interested in the, you know, they're building really difficult things and, the you know, the ability to build hardware, software and sit in the same room is specifically the hardware stuff is is it's required. So that's an example of a conversation I've had recently. Uh, the same, you know, our friend T. A. McCann who runs Pioneer Square Lab, which is a you know arguably a, a studio environment where instead of venture capital they're they're incubating startups that they've invested in. And there's just a especially early on in these environments, that you you know you get to um, there's a unique experience. Now I am going to say on the flip side, i just had our, our dear friend Shane Mack, who is the CEO of a Andreessen back company that's working in crypto. My God, what a tough you know road those folks have had in in Web three. But they he has people on his team that he's never met. Mm-hmm. And, you know they're totally all entirely distributed. And again, yeah. that's not to say that that's not happening. There's a you know venture back. Company with Andreessen that is doing exactly that, and and he was in Seattle last weekend for a team offsite because the team picks different cities to work from each each every right. two weeks, right. or you know, and whoever wants to show up can show up. So it's a it's a new model, and I'm frankly quite excited by it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the future of work. I, I think it's a, I mean, it breaks down into so many. It's like remote versus physical. Like even how many days a week. You know there are a lot of companies trying like a four-day work week right there's the gig economy versus a w2 there's a web 3 versus the c corp there's ai you know all of these things sort of are in the stew as to how we're gonna work moving forward you know i mean it's scary at the same time is super exciting you know does a four-day work week actually is that better? You know, and is that, by the way, is that four tens or is that four eights? Like, you know, yeah, and how, you know, how does that actually, or is it just about getting your shit done and you work when you need to, you know, it's, it is really interesting. I mean, I have friends who are building platforms that are sort of like a, a, a an over like a kayak or an Expedia of the gig economy. Right. I mean, you just came from Fiverr, like, you know, the, there's a lot of those Elance, those kind of platforms have only gotten way bigger. Like, why do you even need to build a, a team of W2 employees who work 40 hours a week and go into a space? Like that almost seems like a, you know, horse and carriage in, in terms of where we're at now. And yet there is no established, like, this is what's working best. I mean, Amazon's bringing people back into the office. Like everybody's you know, in this experimentation mode and then you have these disruptive things like AI, which is, uh, I was listening to something this morning that was, you know, likening this moment to the Napster moment, right? At the beginning of the internet where it's like, there are going to be massive disruptions in work and industry because of the ability to use AI to do things that we've typically as humans have had to work to do. Right. So, but AI then on the flip side, I was listening to a panel yesterday at South by and there's, you know, they're very sort of ardently saying, yeah, if you're, they actually used a wedding photographer uh, or a family photographer business as the model, they're like, look, if you're just like, all I want to do is do family photography and I'm not going to change you know, you're hosed. But if you are looking at art and photography, from the standpoint of what, how can I use AI to further my human brain, and augment my human brain and do new things. And, you know, I I heard one quip that was, you know, only a human being can do something that a human being has never done before, right? Like the AI is effectively just taking the body of work, from a certain and regurgitating that. So all of this stuff is like comes back to what you were mentioning about future work. And I don't have any profound answers on it, but it's an exciting time to be like, I'm in a bigger organization that I've ever been in. We're experimenting with also, we're gonna go to a four day work week, for instance, over the summer, where our mission is to get everyone outside. So it's it's sort of uh, appropriate, right? Like, Like, hey, it's summertime, like get outside and you know rejuvenate yourself and then crush it in those four days it's like our friend tim's uh, the four-hour work week now you know we're moving towards that four hours is a is still uh that's a distant dream
0: that was a very impression that was a very very impression article not because uh, we aspired to work four hours but a bit the future of remote work and totally uh, you know gig economy and you know how you spend your time what you do with your free time what you want is free freedom not necessarily automation just, yeah you know yeah it's yeah it's so yeah. many of those things and it was very cal newport wrote a great response to the four-hour work week that i was in. i think it was in the new yorker uh it was very you know, and it, you know, the haters are like, ah, four hours is just a privileged thing to say. And it's like, dude, it wasn't yeah. about working yeah.
1: for No, no, it's a brilliant title. It was a brilliant title. that, got, that created Google, by the way. Yeah, I know. I remember what was the first title was like uh, drug dealing for profit and or yeah, something and like,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, well, hey, I what, heard, yeah. I also heard I want to inject one of the thing on that work deal. So the, uh, I was speaking with. I've been doing these things that I'm calling meetups, M E A T ups, and you. That's when you came to Seattle. We had uh, when when my friends roll into town, I host and I usually cook some big meat, gigantic steak. I gotta give a shout out to Beast and Cleaver, <laughs> my butcher down the road here, um, but and we we gather and when that the last meetup I did M E A T up. Um, one of the folks who will remain aimless, but was saying that the the gathering is for generalists a lot, and the very specific. If you have, like you were talking about, W two versus uh, contract. If you are just a video editor, you'll probably stay at home and be able to video edit. But the people that are sort of making the soup from what is then birth and has a very specific set of action plans. The action plan can be distributed, but the soup, like when you're pouring the ingredients together, that tends to be more of an in-person, I thought that was a rather interesting take as well. Generalists versus specialists. Right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about that, the riffing, right? Like uh, you and I have experienced that so many times with multiple people in a room together and I am not a musician, so this might be a terrible analogy, but when you see a group of musicians get together and they, they jam, right? Like, and they're in person and they, the, they're not only hearing the music, they're actually feeling it and they're seeing their, they're, they're picking up on all the communication that goes into their particular instrument and their creativity in that moment. And trying to imagine that same thing happening. And I'm sure there are examples where people do jam online, right? Like they're, they're, and I'm sure a lot of that happened during the pandemic, but, you know, channeling other people's creativity in the moment in a, it, my experience, like you're saying that stew of building something, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't really produce anything. Like it's, it's sometimes it, it is the thing that produces the thing yeah. a lot yep. of times, a lot right? Of right. right? Like it's, a, there's those moments and Generative. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that—that that to me is the creative collaboration. Like, I, I think like the tactical aspects of work can be done from anywhere, and that's cool. But the creative collaboration, and then there's another element to that that is about the social connection, which is also trust, right? Like, if you're jamming with people, it, it it's it's a it takes much less time to gain trust in person through shared experience, even if that's in a room with a whiteboard you know, or on a walk or whatever. I just think that's been my experience is like I can. You can make fast friends in person. Um, And I guess people do it online,
0: too. But I I haven't had that
1: experience. You know, well, no, it can can
0: be. We don't need to sound like old farts. But yeah, yeah. But I'm just going to cite the the research here. University of Texas, Albert Marabian Meribian Research of Body Language. First broke down the components of in-person communication conversation. You found that 55% 55% of communication is nonverbal. 38% is vocal intonation and subtleties, and 7% is words only. So, mm. you know, in an audio-only world or, you know, video, you get maybe a little bit more of <clears throat> some of that stuff, but just, again, research underlying the, some of those facts there. And uh, this makes me want to, you know, continue our the evolution of this conversation over to that AI thing. But first, I'm going to blow your mind. One second, hang, hang tight, don't go anywhere. <laughs> Still here. You said you were at South by and they had gongs. <laughs> do,
1: do, it again. do it again. It's like not coming through on, on mine, but.
0: Whoa. Okay then.
1: Is it that must be it's must be the this frequency is. Yeah,
0: it's crazy. Anyway, I just introduced yeah. a gong. I wish you could hear. It. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll so have to I do know.
1: the ad sound. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> <about>
0: <laughs> um, so let's keep evolving into this AI conversation. You know, you've been on some panels and sitting in some rooms and on some panels yourself. Um, I'm constantly being asked about it because of, you know, the role that it plays. <clears throat> the workforce and in creativity, is it going to replace the artist, all this stuff? And I'm going to throw a, a, a point, of a view out there. And, you know, it says like, AI is going to replace, you know, fill in the blank, especially in the art world is it going to replace artists. I think the AI, AI plus the artist is going to be better than the artist. I'd like you to reflect on that.
1: Yeah. I like to think of it in that way, too. You know, I, I to go back to your experience, our experience together, like certainly, I think you're an early adopter. Um, I think I, I've, I've been attracted to new things also. And, you know, you were a super early adopter, for instance, when we met, and I was a magazine publisher, and you were a photographer, when we first met, you were submitting slides, And we would take those slides and we put them on a light table and a loop. And, you know, and then you were one of the very first in the early 2000s to adopt the digital cameras. And that was like this tectonic moment in that industry where you had the same sort of, um, I guess, outcry of like, oh, my God, like taking all the art out of this. We're taking you know, you're, you're, you always quote that, you know, you're, you're giving a, an 18 year old with a digital camera is going to take my, my job somehow because they can iterate and learn so much faster on a digital camera versus what you did before is you shoot 24, you'd wait, the stuff would come back and you'd look at how terrible of a photographer you were. And then you'd have to like the learning, you know, like the learning curve was, um, so, so yeah, so slow. and, digital, like just bam, like really accelerated that. And it did for those folks who, you know, didn't want to adapt. I would say that it was rough. I think that we're in another moment like that. Now there's a caveat though, to that, which is it is a little scary, like on a, on a larger sort of social level, you know, it, it's like Sarah Connor and, you know, like to the, the rise of the machines, like the, some of these folks um, who have really pushed the chat GBT and the Bing, you know, and when you and I were together, for instance, like I remember I, that article came out in the New York times and it was uh, it was this glowing report on like the new AI being is like the greatest search thing that's ever been created. And it was, and then like literally one week later, uh, what's his Kevin Roos is that?
0: The same Kevin, journalist, yeah. Yeah,
1: same yeah. journalist, you know, is like I just had the most disconcerting experience with a machine in my entire life. And now granted, he'd spent that entire week stress testing the AI to try to make it do something weird, which I think yeah. is an important yeah. distinction. However, it is when the AI starts to say I love you, you should leave your wife, um that that's just like when I was reading that I was like this is weird. Right. And there is an aspect of it that that's the part like we don't know exactly where it's going, um, but I do from just a simple like from a I. all of that is to come back to like the camera is a tool like you always say that too. like it's a hammer for you as a photographer. Right. I think that the A.I. in its current form is a tool that's going to get increasingly better at um, making. Well, like to use myself as an example, you always were working on me to try to be better about design. I'm terrible at it. Let's just be honest, right? Like um, you gave me great books and said, hey, man, like, you know, you." and all the while it's like, hey, I, I haven't told you this, but I'm like basically colorblind, right? So <laughs> uh, I cannot design my way out of a paper bag. And anyone that's worked with me knows this. Now I can write and I can put ideas down. But I really do. It's this it's this pinch point in my professional work, right, where I have ideas, I can write them down, I can sequence them, I can put them into an outline. But then I need somebody who's better than me at taking those and putting those into a form that can be digested like visually. Um, In AI, I got really pumped about this. I was like, man, there's going to be an AI where I can like literally say design a deck in the in in using the top 10 decks of all time as an example right um with my ideas (laughs) right and that is here already i don't know how to do that yet but i'm working on it where that's as an example of how i feel like i can actually probably amplify and and augment my capabilities um by using an ai now that's not like necessarily artistic but it's, a, it's that kind of a tool to accelerate research, accelerate communication, that part of it is super exciting to me.
0: Yes, I th- and I wanna just be clear also, I don't see myself as an expert on this technology, AI generally, um, I think I know just enough to be dangerous. And at the same time, I would like to share that a lot of the work that goes into this show has some footprint in AI and ChatGPT, and it's still super new. Like, right, we're, we're talking ChatGPT has been around for just a few months, and you know, obviously, fastest software to 100 million users at all times. And that's it's pretty remarkable the amount of the, the rapid an increased role it has played across the show. The idea generation, for example, putting in inputs from our community and then saying, what are the top, most resonant you know, topics of these 10, which have the most sort of internet sightings or site references and whatnot. So then it gets, oh cool, that will help us talk about these things. And and then you think about the, the notes and being able to generate notes that go on the blog so people can like all that used to take so much time and energy, and now, you know, as NASA mentioned, it it's found its way into all of these different aspects of the show. So I'm very excited about that. Personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and the it, there are plenty of things on a global. You know, the philosopher in me takes all these things to their logical conclusions, and and tries to run off in a number of directions. There's all kinds of really scary stuff. If you ask anyone who really knows a lot about AI, of course, we need to. There are all sorts of protections that we're going to have to put in place, but to me, that's not the conversation that we're having. We're having the one about what ought artists, entrepreneurs, um, people who identify as creators, how can they leverage this stuff? And look, it is just like anything, it requires tinkering. There is an absolute skill to prompting the AI to get what you want, uh, to have it work for you and with you instead of... Um, you know be this sort of separate thing that's out there that you are observing and deciding whether or're not you're going to you know implement it how can you collaborate with it dance with the machine so to speak so totally have you used uh, mid-journey just very very basically yeah um, yeah what what's your experience with it?
1: I mean, same. I've just played around with it on two sessions, um, you know, in but interesting that it lives in the discord environment and it is like this iterative, um, you know, you you jump in there and it's not it's certainly they don't make it difficult. Like there's a one on one thread and you sort of play around and the first, you know, image it might create from what you input is sort of like a nightmarish like, you know, like something you'd see in a terrible nightmare from, from, you know, and then you click on it and it like iterates and pretty soon it's like a beautiful animation, um, that comes directly from your imagination. Right. Like in my case, I was like, uh, you know, like six friends around a campfire, like watching a sunset, you know, one has a guitar one you know, and, the, like I said, the first iteration of that was like this, like Jacob's ladder looking like thing. It was just terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. You know, It's like, Oh my God, I never want to see that again. You know? And then you, you press the button and, and it, before you know it, you have something that actually did come from your imagination, but you know, you would have had to go through like six rounds with a, with an animator to get to. So, and it, it's, that is pretty fun. Again, just as an entrepreneur too, the ability to, to put your ideas into action in an accelerated fashion. If you can use, learn how to use these tools, um, that, that, that gets me really jazzed. You know, I, I think it's just out of the box, right? Like you said, I mean, we're at the, at the very start of it and, and it's already moving so incredibly quickly. Um, I, I think there's probably many, many, like you said, I'm not, I'm not even close to a hobbyist with it. It's something I'm just paying attention to and learning about, but it does seem to, to be something that I think you used from an artistic perspective. I mean, I, when I was with you, for instance, I think I did a a test with it. That was like, plan a romantic, you know, getaway for your wife's 40th birthday should maybe hear this and be like, that wasn't you, you know? Um, And Tracy, and we, uh, we it, talked right, yeah, about this. There was a lot yeah. of human input before yeah. we engaged the AI. Yeah. Yeah. right. <laughs> and but it, you know, it saved a tremendous amount of time in terms of like outlining. Like these are the places you could go. This is how much it would cost. And there was a lot of errors in it. It's it's pulling old information as we know right now. And but it gave me the outline for like a five day like you know trip, and in like two minutes, you know um and that's pr- like pretty astounding um in terms of all the different ways you could use this um and we're just at this at the
0: very very start of it we're at the like geo cities website building level from the old internet like we're like yeah. step 1 yeah. in a hopscotch game of you know 50 steps um i will say that, that uh the next generation of Chat GPT is video and photo manipulation and uh, uh, creation. So, I, I think that's going to be, and it's not far off. And from what I understand, and it's going to be mind-boggling. Um, so, m- more on that. I just, I'm, I think we ought to be, of course, wary of technology and some of the negative ways it can impact us and yet embrace a lot of this stuff because as we, you and I have long said, like it's going there and, you know, trying to dig your heels in and to not change is, uh, is perhaps riskier behavior than it is to lean into it, embrace what, you know, the, the aspects that you want make some decisions around how you want to employ and engage with this new technology rather than be dragged and screaming. Um, which I think this is a reasonable transition. Unless you got anything else to say on that, uh, over to a, a para- separate but parallel conversation that you and I were having about social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we've we've just got um, on. I, I think it's interesting that as someone who has leveraged social to build community over, you know, as we talked about. Almost 20 years, um, you know. If you consider I was writing the blog in 2004, five, um, really ramped up in six. You know, that's when Twitter came around. So it's you know we're on the cusp of 20 years. Let's just call it. And when I survey the landscape of my personal engagement with social um, and people I know, and I'll just say people I know who make a million dollars a year. Just on social media, Mm. I do not at this time I do not know a person who loves it. There is a feeling, even for people who are making a million dollars a year using the tool or the set of tools, which is what those things are—they're distribution platforms. But there is some underlying aspect of it that has again, this is part of why I share this is because the universality of it is something I cannot ignore. Mm. And these are people who use it and, and there's a, a, an understanding and a willingness, Hey, it's, it still does X and Y and Z really well. And, you know, and our dear, you know, friend Gary V can say, this is the place where you can, you know, attention, arbitrage, all the, you know, all of the buzz, but for the people who are spending a lot of time on it, there is not a I think there's a, like, this is a useful tool, but it's, I do not love the actual act of interacting.
1: No, I think there's a, a fundamental, like deep sub or conscious, depending on where, you know, your level of awareness on it, that, w- that using these platforms is just not good for you. Like, I think that's what it is. In my opinion, it's, and you and I talked about this, it's these And it's interesting and it sort of it does sort of wrap into what we're experiencing right now in terms of like the wheel of um venture capital and venture capitalism to a certain degree like this stuff is related in my mind and i've been a part of it so there's no judgment in any of this it's just the evolution of an amazing idea of how to connect people digitally with this new thing called the internet wow like this idea of facebook or twitter like you can connect with your friends and a photo app uh, that's something that you basically invented and then that became instagram right like it it starts with a it starts actually in those rooms we were talking about it starts in your studio it starts with this idea in most cases that is not um about building a massive public company in those cases. I don't, you know, that wasn't a, an intentional, like, and then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do this. And there are people that are now trying to do that because of those businesses and seeing how, you know, uh, two guys in a room coming up with Instagram or Facebook, you know, can become this like global billions of users. You know, what's cooler than a million, A a billion, right? Like that's the culture. Right. And at some point, because of the investment and because of the understanding that, holy shit, we have something here that could actually be a global thing. And what if we made it addictive, right? Mm-hmm. And as you know, you know, people who've worked on that, I, I better is better than me.
0: Right. The addiction Right. paradigm. Yeah. Right. In, right. At and at Facebook. Yeah. Right.
1: And that's not how it started. In my my opinion is that it's and people could argue this, but that's not how it started. It started with like the thing that some people might actually like, you know, your grandma might actually really like Facebook because it's the only place that she connects with other people, right? It, like her grandchildren. Um, and she's not the power user that understands that this is that you're the product and that it feels something feels off about it. And it's part of what the work that I'm doing it outside, which is like actually get outside and look at the horizon and get sunlight in your eyes and move around. And that that's actually an, an essential part of being human. And the platforms have moved to a place where they're actually trying to keep you from that experience on some level. And they're doing a really good job of that. I mean, because they are built like a cigarette, like, yeah, they will addict you. And, and we're all addicted to, to them and to our devices in that way. And I think that's fundamentally, as you talk about our, our friends who, who, and yourself who, you know, it's a big part of your business, it's been my business is helping people utilize the tool. And I think most people, yeah, really do at this point feel like it's You know, we're we're past this point of, man, this is just not actually good for us on some level, and so that that begs the question: we're we gotta wrap up unfortunately because the question is what's next, right? Yeah, right. Like that's yeah. yeah.
0: To me, that is that is uh, for a future discussion, but I do want to leave our listeners with or, or watchers with the idea that. The way that i'm you know again going back to the audience asking me what i'm thinking about and talking about we've we've covered some ground i think it's all interesting and very interrelated um, that i'm using those tools in a different way than i have in the past i'm limiting my own use of them on the mobile device i'm using some only on desktop so it can be a little bit more intentional Um, And I'm in in the early phases of understanding a little bit how that changes my interactions with others, my, you know, the professional, using it in a professional capacity versus a personal capacity. There's a whole bunch of really interesting things that are emerging for me that we will pick up in our next uh, co hosted episode. Again, my dear friend Christopher Gerard, it's been a treat to have you on the show. you are doing really cool stuff with outside. I'm I'm a big fan of getting outside, and that that is your mission over there is to get others outside. Is uh, I think it's very admirable. And having spent some time with you in the last couple of weeks and seeing what you're working on, I'm very excited for you.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a I th- in one way or another. I think my life's work has been, you know, trying to inspire people to. You know, to a life of adventure, or, or to and a lot of that's about the outdoor pursuits. Like it's a lot of what you and I did with our sailing, with Mike Horn, and all these amazing adventures that were outdoors. And I, you know, I am really leaning into this because I, I do feel like, I mean, some of the stats are crazy. Like the average teenager spends forty minutes a week outdoors. Right. Myopia nearsightedness has gone up 40% in the last 20 years because literally people are not looking at the horizon. Like this is a basic part of being human. And I does circle back into what we're talking about in terms of the future of work and social platforms and how we basically live, uh, you know, on this planet as an organism. And I, it's pretty simple. It's like, if you spend more time outside,
0: you will be happier. (laughs) that's that's my you know the basic premise right that is yeah and again i keep saying science says this but and this is not this research is not far afield it's like the the medicinal aspects of being outside you know japanese forest bathing for example or the the Mm -hmm. the, i forget who did the views of water like those are things that actually build happiness into the human soul so Mm -hmm. um awesome my man thank you so much for your time and i'm looking forward to another episode soon and what's, if people do want to find out a little bit more about you, how should they track you down just for their reference? They, and-
1: they, yeah, they can, uh, they can uh, go outside first and then open their phone and, and, uh, <laughs> they can, uh, find me at CJ Rome on Instagram. Um, and that's probably the best place to, to find me personally. And then, uh, out, uh, at outside mag and, at get outside is the social channel that we're working on over at outside so um and that's where that work is happening Uh, thanks for having me chase i love what you're doing and these conversations are are awesome and uh yeah i'd love to continue at a
0: different time yeah we'll generate some more questions from the uh the listeners in our community here and to tackle next time and i think we should continue that one about social sphere since we spend so much time talking about it. Okay. Until next time, everyone out there in the world, yours truly, and Mr. Christopher Gerrard, we both bid you a All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us all of that has a collective massive positive impact on the world. So, just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing for this show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together.